Good day, fellow hoteliers, and welcome to episode 216 of the Hotel Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Pete DeMeo, or at least I'm your host for now. Robots and automation is quickly taking over our world, and I'm expecting some form of AI is going to turn me into a fleshy battery and take over the helm of this podcast soon. But until then, you've got me as your host. And joining me today are some return panelists. We have both Leanne DeMeli. Hello. Hey, how are you doing today? Doing fantastic. Welcome back. And Nick McNeil. Glad to be back. So everybody on the show today has a capitalized letter in their last name where it's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be there. Well, I guess it's supposed to be there. (laughs) (laughs) Not according to English language should a capital be in the middle. But everybody on this panel, we're trying to make sure the robots don't know who we are. So we're trying to throw them off a little bit. It helps. Awesome. Well, thanks everybody for joining us. So we got a really good show today. I'm excited about it. And what we're going to be talking about is something that is definitely coming down the pipe. Um, you know, the question is, is are these pesky humans getting in the way of the travel experience? We're going to dive into a couple really good articles talking about automation and how hotels are finding ways around the labor shortages we're having COVID, social distancing, and all the other problems that are plaguing the hotel industry. Uh, It looks like it's a big opening for robots to put their metal boot on top of us, and we're going to fight back. We'll give them a couple ways to do that. But before we dive into the meat of the episode, we've got a cool couple segments to go through. Usually, we do a new segment, but this time, we're not going to do that. We've got something even more special planned. And that is a new game show segment called The Price is Feud. And that's where we're going to survey several hundred travelers. And I'm going to pose the responses to the panel and see if you guys can get the the answers correct. So do you guys kind of understand how to play this crazy game? Is there a buzzer? There's not a buzzer (laughs) because there's only two of you. But if you guys want to ring in, you can absolutely do so. I I don't want to squash your creativity in any way so you guys okay so here's the first question i'm going to pose to you and then you guys have to figure out what the what the survey respondents said all right and whoever is closest without going over in terms of percentage wins so it's got a little bit of family feud and a little bit of prices right all mixed into one all right so question one we surveyed over a thousand travelers Leisure travelers specifically, these came from a Facebook survey, and we asked them, will your vacation plans change this year due to rising travel costs? So costs are rising. We did a massive study here at Travel Boom to see how that was going to impact travel, and the results are pretty interesting. We'll cover the full survey in a future episode, but Nick, what percentage of our survey respondents do you think would change their travel plans due to a rising costs? I'm going to say it's lower. I'm going to say 30%. 30%. I think there's still two. Do I, do I, do I, do I explain my, my answer? So I do, think there's still. I think I, I, still, have to, I, I have to first ask if that's your final answer or you're going to lock it in. Final answer. Lock right. it in. Okay. Why do you think it's 30%? So I I will say just because I think this is another year of uh, pent up like need to go on vacation like uh, so I think people are going to push through no matter what for the for the most part. Good good rationale I like it. All right, Leanne. So he's saying thirty percent. Do you think it's higher or lower, or are you going to go with a dollar? Oh, I don't. You know, originally before Nick answered, I was going to say seventy percent. Now I'm thinking I may be a little bit over, but I believe it's affecting more people. So my final answer is: What is sixty-five percent? What is? I like that. <laughs> All right, sixty-five percent. All right. So we surveyed a thousand travelers, and they said fifty-eight point two percent of travelers will change their vacation plans this year. In 2022, due to rising travel costs. So since this is a new game show, Leanne, you were only seven percentage points away. That was phenomenal. But, but I went over. But you went over. So No Nick, showcase showdown for me. Yep. Nick, congratulations. You won <laughs> round one of the Price By the <laughs> Oh, so yeah, that's pretty surprising. When I got this data back, 
literally earlier today, I was shocked that almost 60% of travelers are going to be changing some form of their travel habits this year. Uh, As we go into the survey, like I said, we'll cover that on a future episode. It doesn't say they're going to cancel their plans. What it does say, though, is they're going to change their plans. And, you know, we ask a lot of questions, you know, is it uh, drive closer to to travel closer to home? Is it going to be eat out less while you're on vacation? Is it going to be to, you know, do less expensive entertainment options while on vacation? So a lot of things like that we'll dive into in the survey, but that is for another episode. All right. So that is win one for Nick. Leanne, I'll let you answer first on the question number two of our two question game show. How much influence, and actually, I'm sorry, let me back up a little bit. This one is a question throwback to when we were doing our COVID sentiment studies last year and the year before, but I did want to find out if people still cared about COVID. So I asked the question, exactly as we have in the past, how much influence does COVID have on your travel plans? Leanne, what would you say uh, that is? And so we asked him a couple questions. I want you to tell me. What percentage of people either have a, say COVID has a major influence or COVID is going to prevent them from traveling at all? Okay. I don't think COVID's going to prevent people from traveling. I think they'll travel to different places and travel differently. So again, I probably go more 70, 30. I think only 30% wouldn't travel. Okay. So, so the question, okay, uh, let me read the four, four options mm-hmm. and we're going to combine them. I will not be traveling in light of COVID. It has no influence at all. It only has a minor influence or has a major influence. What percentage of people think it's a major influence up to the point of not allowing them to travel? 30% tops. 30%. All right. Nick, 30%. Higher or lower or what are you going to lock in? I'm going to go lower. I'm going to say it's around 15%. 15%. Lock it in. Locked in. Nick, your answer is almost exactly what I was thinking it was going to be. And you and I are complete failures at understanding <laughs> what customers can, are concerned about when they're planning their travel and their vacation. Because get this, 37.3% say it's a major influence on their travel habits. 7.6% say they will not be traveling in 2022 in light of COVID. Hmm. So you're talking about well over 40%, almost 45% of the people surveyed are not going to be traveling or it's going to cause a major hiccup in their travel plans. Wow. That number shocked me. I did not expect that to be the case. I don't know. I talked to so many people who have now put off their Italian vacation for two and a half years. Maybe that's what they're thinking. I still can't go to Italy. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a good point. Uh, now, I will say this, though. The, the people that we surveyed are typically going to be are US best, US, if I can talk, U.S.-based or Canadian-based and typically travel domestically. They're not international travelers, mm. by and large. But I, that shocked me. Mm-hmm. I mean, you figured – I I, don't, I always thought that COVID was kind of done. I was kind of done with COVID for a while now, and remembering that it's still a – a hot button for a lot of consumers makes me rethink our recommendations to, you know, pull back on the COVID messaging quite to the extent that I think a lot of hotels have done so, so far. Yeah, that's, that's very surprising. I, um, I mean, I think we probably would have a much different answer, um, you know, a year ago or six months ago, even, um, than today, but I'm still surprised that it's that low. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When we were getting toward the end of the study for our COVID sentiment study, that number was toward the end of last year. It's pretty close. I was kind of surprised. Obviously, at the beginning of COVID, it was a, a major factor for everybody. But that has definitely shifted a little bit here. Yeah. I would think, and I, I'm just from a personal note, I think it, you know, based on the numbers, you know, if you like recent CDC guidance basically is based around levels, right? It, low or high or medium. I'm not exactly sure what they are, but I think I would probably change my decision-making just purely based on risk factor at any given point in, throughout the year. So it's not a consistent number necessarily, but. Yeah, that's a good um, point. From, I don't know. I feel like it might be backlash that we aren't hearing as much about it anymore, except that 
Shanghai, Hong Kong on lockdown. We're hearing that other places in the world and in the country still have an issue, but we're not being told much about it anymore. So maybe they don't trust the CDC anymore. Yeah, well, don't be surprised either. That's definitely the tinfoil hat way of looking at it. Hey, you know what? (laughs) I better put some aluminum foil on the windows. I've got mine on too, don't worry. Uh, No, I I was just surprised at this one. I, I think a lot of it comes down to where we're located at geographically. Mm-hmm. All three of yeah. us are in South Carolina. Uh, we're here in, in Myrtle Beach. Nick, you're down in Charleston, right? Yep. So for us, COVID was never as big of a impact on our lives as it was in a lot of other parts of the country. So I, I think there's a little bit of a of a process that people have to go through to get reacquainted with travel again. For us, it hasn't been as big of a groundbreaking situation. But I think for a lot of other people in the country, obviously it was all encompassing. So we kind of have to be cognizant of that in a tourist destination that the people who are coming to visit have a different perspective on mm-hmm. on what has happened the past two years. From there, we've got the next segment, which is 60 seconds to success. So I'm going to go ahead and set this up for our LinkedIn viewers. So 60 seconds to success with Travel Boom is where we have just one minute on the clock to share a tip or a trick to make your hotel marketing much more effective. I like to think of it as being in an elevator and you have to give someone a little tip in 60 seconds. That's when that elevator door opens, they're going to go on their way. They're going to go on their way as a much better marketer. So I got the, the short stick today. So I'm going to be giving the 60 seconds to success. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start this timer and I'm going to see if I can get this done in 60 seconds. Then we'll talk a little bit about it and move on from there. So here we go. All right. On episode 209, we talked about secret shopping your competitors. I've got a link to that in the show notes as well. However, we didn't cover the most obvious next step, which is shopping your own property. And that's my tip for you today. So put on your fake mustache, use your spouse's credit card, and go through the entire shopping process and booking process right up to the point where you enjoy your stay. As you go through the process, have a notebook handy and record all the good and bad you experience on that journey. If you can, take advantage of the reservation you made and actually stay at the property, secretly if possible, and note what can be improved on site as well. You know, third-party audits are a great tool, but starting your own and finding out what you need to improve could be the most cost-effective the lightning tip we can offer. And I have a couple seconds left. Woohoo! All right. I beat it. Nice. Yeah. So what do you guys think of that tip? Is that something that would be effective for for you guys and hotel marketing in general? Absolutely. I've always been, I think, a little harder on the properties where I work and go easier on the properties where I stay because I know what they're going through. But yeah, you, you don't know what it's like, even water pressure in the shower until you've experienced it for yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like, uh, you know, when you walk around your house and you see a little spot on the ceiling and you think, like, how long has that been there? You may, <laughs> you know, when you're so accustomed to that environment, I think you've got to force yourself uh, on some regular frequency to kind of, like, take a little look, a different angle of viewing, you know, your surroundings, just to kind of make sure things are in tip-top shape and just kind of get a good walk around. I think it's a great idea. Definitely. And I think just just staying at your property yeah, we always, especially going through the, the shopping process, you know, we know where to click. We know what to do to get through it easily. And a lot of times we just blow past the things that we might find to be cumbersome. But if you actually have to go through it and think about it, actually put your credit card in, you start realizing things like, oh, I had to, you know, put in my uh, expiration date in a very weird manner versus the way I would want to do it on another website. So you pick up on those things, just make a list, and then use that as the springboard to, board to start making property improvements. There we go. That is 60 seconds to success with Travel Boom for the week. If you want to keep on listening, that's fantastic. Go ahead and check out Travel Boom's uh, Hotel Marketing Podcast, episode 216, which where we'll be talking about pesky humans getting in the way of travel experiences. So if you want to continue listening, check us out on iTunes, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. With that, we're going to say goodbye to our LinkedIn audience, and we're going to continue our podcast now. Kind of picking up where we left off, 
what we're going to talk about is a really interesting question. And we've all seen a lot of articles coming out over the last couple of months about the surging uh, use of automation and how humans are becoming a detriment to the travel experience. You know, if you look at the surging growth of vacation rentals, human contact is minimal. So you might say, hey, humans aren't needed. However, if you ask a hotel guest what's important, friendly staff is one of the most valuable attributes that a product, a property can offer. So then you have two kind of going against each other here, right? So what we're going to look at is three articles that make the case that humans are dead to travel and we might as well get used to dealing with robots. And then we're going to decide if that is uh, malarkey or if there's a better way of doing things. So we've got three, three articles here. We have all in the show notes. So if you want to check these articles out for yourself, just go to travelboommarketing.com slash podcast, click on episode 216, and you can get all the actual articles themselves. So the first article is from FocusWire. And this is actually an older article. comes to us on January 4th. But the headline is, no, guests do not require human-provided services and hospitality. And in this article, the author makes the case that if you look at vacation rentals, that's the segment of the industry that's booming. And that's the segment of the industry that has practically no human contact whatsoever. You book your stay online, you show up at a property, you enter a key code or you know, use your phone to unlock a door, you enjoy your stay and you leave and you never talk to a human the entire process. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? I don't know. It's, it's the way that a lot of the industry is going, but it makes it a really strong case that humans are not needed. So something to consider because hotels need to go in that direction in some cases, according to this article, because I thought this is very interesting. Labor costs per available room in North America in the sense of September 2021 was at about $50 per room. And that is a massive cost when it comes to the overall operations of a property. So if you can reduce your labor costs, if you can reduce housekeeping, if you can reduce all the things that have a human contact, you're going to make your property much more profitable. But is there a, a conflict to that? And I think that there could be, but that's something for us to, to consider. I was shocked by that dollar amount. I'm wondering if the hotels are spending, if it has something to do with the fact that the housekeepers are spending more time cleaning a room now. You know, I think it's, it's they're trying to get more and more rooms clean. And because they are in such demand, we're seeing mm. exorbitant rates for, for housekeeping staff. You know, if you can keep staff, you're having to pay them, you know, a pretty hefty salary to, to keep them on board. Mm. Uh, you know, I thought it's, it's interesting. You know, it's, we, this article really goes into details about how to do more with less. And, you know, I'm framing it as a, you know, where they don't need humans. But the reality is, is, you know, looking at ways where you can use automation to make the most of your staff so that their front facing is where they need to be. And, you know, the repetitive stuff that is, you know, human centric, but can be offloaded to a machine is, is probably a good way to go. So that's the first article that's kind of make the case for humans being kicked out. Leanne, tell us about this next article, which is pretty uh, interesting. Right. I found a very interesting article in Travel Weekly. It's called... Hotels grappling with labor shortage have robots in their toolbox. And it gave some really cool examples of hotels that this year have just recently and in all cases leased, not purchased robots. So that tells me they're not 100% sold on it yet. But a new AC hotel in California, now mind you, it's in Silicon Valley. Great place to try this out. Has leased a robot from Afon that um, does just pretty much uh, the same job as uh, a housekeeper or maybe more like a bellman because they have a housekeeping robotic cart that will deliver towels and toiletries and they don't want Uber delivery drivers wandering through the hotel. So it'll also take up to four different orders at a time and deliver them up to the hotels where you, you would not have to actually interact with a human to get more toilet paper or clean washcloth. Another hotel in Fort Lauderdale, a Marriott, has leased something that they call the Betty Bot. The Betty Bot buses tables in their restaurant. And that general manager mentioned that the cost of leasing the Betty Bot is half of a Bell Boys uh, or um, Bus Boys annual salary. So in both cases, they were able to replace an employee they couldn't find 
and save money. The third way that most hoteliers, the majority of them say that they are turning to robots for help is um, doing more automated digital hiring. They've started to automate the hiring process so that they can find people faster. The American Hotel and Lodging Association Foundation has set up a website that's being circulated through all the major cities in the country uh, called thehotelindustry.com. And it is a database where they can hire on the spot because if they find somebody that wants a job and seems qualified, they don't let them walk out. They hire them then. That's super interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we've seen these robots come and go for a couple of years. It does seem like they're starting to take off a little bit more. And as the automation gets better and as the hotels have better technical facilities to ensure that the robots can get in and out of elevators, can handle stairs or however they need to get to all the rooms. Yeah, but also the price is coming down. I mean, I think your point about it being half the cost of a Bellman or a busboy is really compelling. We, we talk about that with you know clients all the time. When you start talking about the cost of OTAs, you know, the cost of the OTA is not just the, the cost to the property right away, but you have to think of all the market that could be done for that same same value. And I think the same is true from a operational perspective, bringing some robots into the game. At the same time, it's in the hotel restaurant that you're able to build relationships with your guests. You, and, and with a robot, I'm thinking you have to place your dirty dishes at least on it or in it. So what's what's being lost in that transaction? See, the score one for humans there. Yeah, I, I think you have to strike that balance too. I mean, you definitely want your best, you know, concierge type person to be available to really help what they need to. But some of the more tedious things that are more common, if it's like delivering a towel or something, something that's a little bit of a simpler role uh, to kind of give that time back to the human, I think is another big advantage. So maybe it's just, you know, maybe this is another case of, you know, some hybrid new environment that we live in, you know, where we kind of try to get the best of both. I think that's spot on. We can't completely rely on the robot, but also we have to, you know, as humans say, hey, I can't do everything and look at what we can offload to them. All right. So we have one more article before we get into the scorecard where we vote for what robots should do and what humans should do. So, Nick, what is this last article all about? Okay, so this last one is uh, from the Hotel News Resource, and it's about Bella, the virtual hotel agent. So uh, the headline is Bella, the hotel, the virtual hotel agent offers a 100% accurate understanding of guest needs through its new feature of precise guest insight. And, and what, what Bella does is um, compiles data. So when people, when people contact uh, property, they compile all of that information. They anonymize the caller info. Um, and they collate everything together for hotel management. So hotel management is getting a report of all this call information uh, so they know exactly uh, why people are contacting them. Um, so, you know, the reasons could vary, obviously, within that. But it's a super interesting approach. Um, it, it sort of gets into creepy land, I think, probably a little bit. But we're all accustomed to, like, this call is being recorded for quality insurance purposes. I mean, that's pervasive. Um, I think that the interesting thing that Bella does is, um, is that, you know, using its AI uh, power, so to speak, it can do all this stuff magically and do the reporting for you in a simple way versus what we're probably used to ourselves dealing with um, uh, this in the past, helping either our clients or the hotel managers having to sit through and listen to recorded phone calls, which can be, you know, you just can't do that very often. Um, so it takes a lot of that pain away. And then, it, and then Bella will obviously turn that into a way that can automate the, the response for the, for the customer. So the article says that Bella is advanced enough um, that this AI powered voice bot can answer up to 60% of the calls now being, that are currently handled by front desk. So uh, super, super interesting and, and obviously a pretty high stat, at least you know from their perspective on how much they can take off of humans and the call center um, flow. So really interesting stuff. Um, I also think that, you know, 
they're anonymizing the column information, but you could think theoretically they could also anonymize the the answering. So so sometimes, you know, if you're a hotel reception or, you know, so someone answering the phone call, you think, oh, they're just recording my every word. Uh, Bella could theoretically anonymize both sides of that. And it's not necessarily used as a judgment screening mm-hmm. tool. It is purely just pulling out the questions and providing the answers and providing reporting about the substance of the call, not necessarily making a judgment on the, on the, on the agent side. side. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. This one's interesting because I've known how many times I screamed at, I can't say the name of it, the, the robot that's on our kitchen counter for a certain, you know, Hey, what is this? And it gives me some idiotic answer back. And you know, they're saying that Bella is more advanced because it was trained in hospitality than Amazon's device or Google's device. But I find that a little bit dubious. How can you, do you really think that those two devices are just so far behind the curve in terms of the hospitality needs that they're, they're missing something? I just don't know. because Bella is trained in hospitality doesn't mean the person calling the hotel is, first of all. They may not have hotel speak. And I told you yesterday, I can't text to talk without it messing up half of my <laughs> sentence. So, so how is Bella so much better? Such a great such a great point. I think my <laughs> wife would say to something like this, she she hates the automated system so much that she won't even give them a chance. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, like, it's just dead end. Oh, yeah, I, I gotta tell you guys this. So this happened very recently. So on iPhones, when it transcribes your voicemails, I found that I've had two or three people contact me the last couple of days because I leave a voicemail and say, hey, this is Pete DeMeo with Travel Boom. I was just giving you a call back. Siri is transcribing that as pizza mail. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I got a call from uh you know, one of our good partners at Flip to, and he goes, Hey, pizza mail, how are you doing? I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, he goes, my, uh, my voicemail always transcribes your name as pizza mail. And then immediately after I got a call from somebody else who said, yeah, it says that you're pizza mail on my voicemail. It's like, Oh my gosh, no. <laughs> See, r- robots don't like the fact that I have a capitalized letter in my middle, my last name. And I think they're revolting. <laughs> So. Now you got to catch yourself over enunciating your name all the time. Yes, Pete DeMeo. That's what I got. Yeah, I think I, I kind of nerd out on these kinds of things a little bit, where I do catch myself changing the way I'm speaking to try to see how. Okay, is it just me? I just want to understand. Like, okay, could this thing be really smart if I was a clearer speaker rather than mumbling like I will tend to do? Um, so I, I like to kind of play around with it just to say, kind of see how advanced and how cool the tech could be sometimes, but it, it can be very frustrating. Yeah. And, and I found that I have, like the robots are training us. You know, I know if I want to listen to music by an artist, I, have, I can't say, you know, play certain type of music, or I can't say play songs by the revivalists and others. I have to say, you know, robot, play songs by the revivalist and similar artists say that specifically. So I get the music that I want versus, you know, the weather in Tokyo is ah, stop it. <laughs> anyway, so there's, there's a three really interesting articles that talk about the role of automation in travel. But what I thought might be fun to do is have a little round table where we all go around and say one thing that robots are good at, and one thing that they shouldn't get, humans shouldn't give up control for yet. So we each came up with our top three list of good robots and good humans. So let's go ahead and kick this off. Uh, Nick, why don't you go first and tell us something that is definitely good for a robot to do? Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to go straight for the obvious and say checking in. Most definitely. So even if it, if that's completely like I walk in and I've got the mobile key, which is wonderful, or a kiosk or something like that, I think that's that's the the, the number one for me. Yep, absolutely. And, and the funny thing is, is, I wrote that is my number one good robot thing as well. Mm-hmm. You know, we did a, a survey. Oh, this is good two years now. This is right before COVID regarding app check-in, and I, it was over eighty percent of customers were happy to use an app to both check in and access their rooms remotely versus having to go to the front desk. And I think when you look at it in terms of 
that check-in process, and we've talked about this before, you've been traveling for 10 hours. You've had kids screaming in the back of the car. That is not the time that most people want to have an engaging conversation and credit card transaction with someone standing behind a desk. I want to get to my room. I want to kick off my shoes and I want to relax a little bit. And if you can bypass that check-in, go right to your room, man, thank you, robots. You've done, done a good thing. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, Leanne, what is something that our robots are good for? Good for in kind of the same line as your check-in process. The one thing that we all use it for now, and I'm going to, I'm going to call my phone as part of the internet of things, the robot in this instance is a room key and access to any of the amenities in a hotel. You don't really need to talk to anybody, especially if you've lost your key, that doesn't happen anymore. That's another good point. Definitely so. The less you have to rely on someone to help with technical issues of getting into rooms, getting into fitness centers, pools, the better, right? Mm-hmm. Have you used a your phone to access a hotel room yet? I will never do it personally. Oh, you won't? But well, wait a not minute. Not unless they make is, me. That is the number one thing you said robots are good for. I know. That's what everyone uses it for. <laughs> That's what everyone's most familiar with. You know what I'm afraid of, Pete, is that I'll lose my phone. Yeah, but aren't you worried about that anyway? Yeah, I can never keep up with my phone. That's a regular hassle for me. Yeah, we'll, we'll work on getting you like a little lanyard or something <laughs> where you can clip in. <laughs> so Nick, have you used uh, remote or keyless entry? I did. I did once. Um, and it was, a little, it was a little bit inconsistent, I thought, honestly. I, I ended up trying it for a, forcing myself. We were there for five days. I tried it for a couple of days and I just went back to the protein just because. Interesting. It was a couple of like taps you had to make and, and, and I think I had to unlock my phone. So that was, you know, it, it was kind of, it was good that that level of security, which I guess at the time, I don't know if I had face ID or not, but um, yeah, it was a little bit weird. Maybe it was just the Bluetooth. Maybe it was just something kind of, I'm sure that's made improvements. It's probably been, you know, four years since that happened, but it wasn't a perfect experience for me. Yeah, Hilton recently came out with the integration with iOS, the the wallet on iPhones, which Mm. I think is a big, big improvement. Because I know whenever I fly, I obviously only use my phone for my my key or my pass. You know, so I just you know double click, looks at my face, and I can you board the plane, which is incredibly easy. But I've not seen a keyless system for a hotel that has been quite that seamless. And I've seen Mm. I've used some good ones, but if you can get into the the Apple Wallet, I think it makes life a lot lot easier. Yeah, that's a great point. I use Apple Pay anytime it's, I, I can. Mm-hmm. It's available. Yeah, most definitely. So, all right, we've already kind of Nick, you covered my automated check in for Good Robot. Let's dive into some a good human number one thing. Uh, so the very first thing I put in for humans, and this kind of flies in the face of our of Bella, the virtual agent is I don't think you should eliminate humans from your phone system because that is a time, typically when someone's calling, they're either about to make a booking or they have a concern. And it's great that you have a phone system that can offload some of that trouble or some of those questions for you know chatbot type things, you know, where are you located at, what are your hours? But in general, it should be very easy for a guest or typically a potential guest to reach your property. If I'm making a booking and I call a phone number, I don't want to go through a four-step phone tree before I can actually talk to an agent. That tells me that you don't value me face-to-face. So for me, don't you can use robots in your phone system, but don't necessarily use them at the expense of that human interaction that you can get. I know a lot of hotels that during the day when they have a full, you know, fully staffed front desk, will bypass the brand's phone system and have their front desk answer the phones. It's just like you said, it's personalized. That's mm-hmm. what, I think that's what we still want. Yeah. 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 Oh. Yeah. At that moment, um, you, d- you definitely want that. Yep. And you know, I, I think the idea of on high traffic times, if you need to rely more on automation, go for it. But mm-hmm. you know, if you have an agent who's sitting there twiddling their phones, they need to be answering those phone calls. All right. Leanne, what is something that only humans can do? 
service recovery. I don't think that if a guest has a problem, they want to tell it to a robot. So, so walk me through that. Mm-hmm. What are you referring to? If you have an issue at the property, anyone behind the desk is going to call it a service recovery issue. We've got to not only save you as a guest, but make you a more loyal guest. And there's no way you can do that unless you talk face to face with the individual. Most definitely. That's, yeah, that, that's hospitality 101, right? Mm-hmm. You, if you have a problem, even if the person can't do anything, having that ear just to listen to is is typically pretty helpful mm-hmm. also. All right. Nick, how about you? What's your top thing that only humans can do? I'm going to say it falls in the dining category. So I think that even, even if I'm having food delivered, I want – I don't want my food unattended at any part between preparation and delivery to me, whether I'm in in a restaurant inside or if it's getting delivered or any of those things. I think bring me towels, but don't bring me my food in a robot box. Um, I'm I'm kind of that's where I'm at. Mm -hmm. So I'd say anything in the dining area would would fall under needs a human for me. That's interesting. So. So is that including you know busing a table like Leanne's article? Um, you know, maybe there's some nuance to that answer there. So I, I mean, there are occasions. I guess it depends on the level of the restaurant, right? I would mm-hmm. not want if it's a nicer place that, to feel like I had to do that. But um, you know, in a Starbucks, I get that I have to bust my table. You know, and there could be a Starbucks in the property. So it's you know there are elements I guess that um, robots would be handy. Most definitely. So, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. I have, so you said good human is food service. I have the same thing again. So I say under like robots are bad for food and beverage because I always, it always goes back to, I remember speaking to a client and he was complaining specifically about chilies where at chilies and, you know, they had the little kiosk or the little thing on the table where you can swipe your card and the waitress comes over there explains it shows us how to do it and he's furious he's like you know you are firing yourself when you're using this device he goes i came in here for someone to ask me what i wanted to drink and bring me a beer and have that face-to-face conversation i don't necessarily want to just have a kiosk where i touch what i want to eat if this isn't fast food i want to sit down restaurant so nick same thing that you just said is having that personal relationship from a food perspective it's, it's such a a tactile thing. I think it, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Nick is just taking all of my good human stuff, but I have <laughs> one more and actually we'll go good human. I guess we'll go good human and then we'll finish up with that robot stuff. I said your social engagement. And I don't think that's something that from a, from a robot perspective that you want to completely offload your, your social strategies, just using chatbots and things like that. I think you need to make sure that, you know, you're highly sensitive, your social engage online, at least making sure that you're engaging with your, your guests online and you're not allowing automation to run with everything there. That's your chance. You're selling them a customer on being a guest at your property because of personal service. And you, if you have, you know, poor response times on Facebook, if you're not responding to people, if you're not commenting on comments or engaging in a conversation, people will see that you're not connected to your guests, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Hey, I came up with a question for you guys about whether or not this would ever be automated. Yeah. It's a hot button at just about every hotel that has one. Once we have self-driving cars, will they automate the shuttle? Ooh. Would you ride in the shuttle? If it was automated, there's some rider drivers that I wouldn't ride with. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fan of the automated car. Yeah. Travel in, in, in transport thing. So yes, I'll be all about that. Hmm. I'm torn on that one because I have not used a self-driving car. So that would make me really nervous. I think if, you know, I was used to driving a Tesla or, I mean, I don't even have like lane assist in my truck. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think I'd have to have a little bit of hands-on experience to trust it before, 
you know, I just jump in. But yes, yeah. say, saying that with the the sketchy Uber drivers I've ridden in in Atlanta, I I, I would absolutely <laughs> let my Roomba drive me before I got back in the car with some of those guys. Roomba. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh let's work our way down the list uh leanne have you shared two good human things yet or no? two good human things well there's there's another one that i thought of that you absolutely can't can't replace although i bet everyone who does it wishes that they could and that's um the wedding planner at a convention or a banquet or special events hotel there's no way that you can talk to the bride, the mother, the father, the bride, especially I hate it when they put the grooms in charge of anything. You've got to have a real person working with them. Good point. I like that one. Although some meetings now are being booked without ever talking to a soul on site. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think there's a good place for, I, I, don't, I don't want to call it automation, but I would want to say very advanced logic in terms of reservations and filling out forms you know, requesting meeting space. It, there's a lot more that can be done there. I think that's a lot of the systems are pretty antiquated, but you need definitely to have a, a person that you can speak to. Yep. And other than that, you cannot replace the, the landscaper or a housekeeper for that matter. The robots can't do all of that yet. Yep. That's right. A good one too. Yep. You know, it's interesting. I was reading about this, I guess, a couple of years ago, and it was like one of those articles um, that was talking about people gaming the points reward systems. And I, I want to say it, it was maybe it was Marriott or, or we'll use them as an example. Um, these people found ways where they could book meeting rooms and not ever use them, but they, they just book the room and they get all these extra points or these elite nights or whatever the rewards were. They could mm-hmm. really, it was a very inexpensive meeting room and like beside, you know, not a, at an inexpensive property somewhere. And they were just booking them from afar and never attending them, but reaping the reward. It made financial sense for them to do that. Um, so um, there are things that you, if you, if you, if you are careful and keep eyes on it, it, it can be taken advantage of try to remove a human most definitely all right nick what other items do you have on your good human or bad robot list um i'm gonna say um good i'm gonna say good um um good human is when i'm looking to do something sort of nearby so i think the concierge just like that role I think that I always want to talk to someone if I have a specific question. So um, just kind of like on the fly, like want an excursion or need a recommendation for uh, dining that evening or something like that. I think that's a, a, pl- a place where um, something additional to the property itself, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're guiding me. Yeah. Um, definitely good, good to have a human there. Perfect. And what's your last good human? Thing you have on your list, or did we cover all yours already? I might. Be yeah, we covered mine. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Well, then, once you go through and give me some things that only that robots need to be more involved in. I think you've already told me automated check-in, but what are your other two two top top things? Is that for me or Nick? For Nick, sorry. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, I think I think um, any reservation that I can make online or without a human the better because then i can take my time with it a little bit um and that's not that's the property reservation but that also could be placing uh you know res- i don't know what do you reserve while you're there a spa or something like that mm-hmm. that might be something um that i want to do so the actual reservation part of that or the booking part of that i always want to have full control over or work with a, with a robot um that's, I guess, the advantage of robot is they have an endless amount of patience. So if I'm yep. toying around with options that they don't, they don't uh, give me a hard time about. Yeah, that's a good point because I know every time I hate ordering takeout or food with a human because they're going to screw something up. You know, but if I can put it in there, I want this on the side or this left out. I type it in there, I can see it, and I got a confirmation email that says I asked for that. So at least there's, you know, there's some documentation yeah. that says no. You, I said extra. I said extra queso. <laughs> All right. So, what's your last thing that robots excel at? 
Nick? Um, that's the last thing I had on my list. So the last thing? Okay. Yeah. Leanne, how about for you? What do you have on your good robot list? For the good robot list, well, I had the check-in, check-out. Um, definitely, I think that they're going to automate part of the phone system, if not all of the phone system. Like you said, it, it, eventually you need to make it to a person, but I don't think we're going to hear many people picking up the phone anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have a, I, I thought of more that I know would be in the best interest of a property to automate, but I don't know if it could be. Uh, if they could automate the night audit process, um, that would be incredible. It should just be math, right? But if you've ever mm-hmm. worked night audit, you know it never just is. Yeah, most definitely. That, that's actually a good point. I think anytime you can find those, those back office type things that have to get done, you know, automating those and keeping people in front of a guest, that's, that's a better use of your staff if you can make it work. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, the last two things that I had on my list, one is, you know, I don't think you should turn it over to a robot, but your revenue manager should have a great little assistant robot that follows them around and does their oh, bidding. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's one of those things where there's so many variables that you need some some AI behind the scenes to really make the most of your revenue strategies and hit your revenue goals. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing I think that from a, I say robot, from a, an AI or automation perspective, your bid management across all of the dozens of your online media outlets that we have, you know, if it's Google, if it's Microsoft, if it's TripAdvisor, if it's any of your meta engines, everything that's out there from a bid management perspective, you need to have a way of organizing it in a way of crunching the data that is getting to the point where it's beyond a human's capability to do so and generate the consistently high return on ad spends that, we all are expecting these days. So I think those are two areas where robots really do excel. And with a little bit of human oversight, they can do a lot of running the show. Yeah. All right. Well, good deal. Anything else that you guys want to say on there? Otherwise, uh, I have a quote that is perfect for kind of wrapping everything up here. All All right. So this comes to us from... It's actually from the Travel Weekly article that you read to us, Leanne, and it's from Mark Lerman, who is the AC uh, Hotel Sunnyvale Militant Park, mm-hmm. and he said regarding the automation and the little robots that bring your towels to you, this is not about replacing staff members. It's about being more efficient with our labor resources and keeping people in their post and guest facing. And I think that sums up, uh, well, I guess we could have stopped recording you know, 40 minutes ago and just said this quote and be done with it. But, but the reality is, is if you can have your staff facing the guest and only delivering that amazing experience, then let the robots do the rest of it if they can, if you can. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's all we got for today. We actually have one little piece of listener feedback. Uh, Leanne, do you mind reading listener feedback for us today? This one came to us from LinkedIn. Let me see if I can find that on our show notes here. Oh, is this from, where is it on our show notes? Uh, it's underneath the, here, me. Oh, I found it. Right. Under listener feedback, as it should <laughs> yeah. be. All right. Oh, I mean, <laughs> give, yeah, give me a little bit of dead space, and then I want you to say, okay, okay. then dive back in. 49. Uh, all right, this came from Matt via LinkedIn, and Matt says, that he used to run a creative agency focused on B2B and business to franchisee and hospitality. Found your podcast, this one right here. Really good, says Matt. I know if he had the ability to give you two thumbs up, that would be in the review as well. That would be yeah, we we needed a we need to get Matt to go do a review on on iTunes uh, uh-huh. and, and give us five stars and that would help us in the, the ranking algorithm. I wonder what he what Matt does now that he's still listening to the podcast. I don't know. He hit me up on LinkedIn, so I, I can look it up and see. He probably just so. likes you, likes the way you deliver your news. Your uh, he's seconds. clearly a savvy marketer, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> awesome. Well, good deal. Hey, that is the show for today. Uh, Nick, if people wanted to find out a little bit more about you or with all the great things that you're doing with the brand agency, how could they connect with you? I'm going to say, if I'm on LinkedIn, it's probably the best. Um, 
place to find out what I'm up to and um, sharing things in the agency. All right. How about you, Leanne? Uh, this is my hot tip. If you didn't hear it last time on LinkedIn, go to contact Leanne on LinkedIn. You don't have to have the letters and numbers after your name if it's already taken. I thought that was a pretty snazzy tip too. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't changed it, but I, I, I love the tip. All right. And you can find me on LinkedIn at Pete DeMaio, P-E-T-E-D-I-M-A-I-O. Collectively, you can find us at travelboommarketing.com or Travel Boom Marketing on Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn or wherever else that you go. If you enjoy the show and you want to check out the show notes, go to travelboommarketing.com slash podcast. And all you have to do is click on episode 216 and you'll see everything that we talked about today. And a human did that. And I don't think a, I'm going to let a robot do that job because you listeners are far too important to let robots control us. And that's it for today. So anyway, that's going to wrap up the show. Thank you all very much. And we'll be back next week with more hotel marketing news, tips, tricks, and just ways to be a better hotelier in general. With that being said, Travel Boom is out. It'd be cool if we could insert like a robot podcast somewhere in your podcast. What would that sound like? A robot sound? A robot podcast. I don't know. A, a robot podcast? <laughs> a robot podcast. That could a, never happen. I don't know what a robot podcast would do. Oh, I like don't a, either. Would a, a podcast about robots or a robot recording a podcast? A robot recording a podcast. Mm, I can see it. <laughs>